It is Thursday, January 12th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, possible trouble from a guy who spent the day with Jeff Lagerman's chili, <laughs> J.P. Chadrick. And welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. It is Thursday. It is the week of the AFC wildcard playoff game. We've got a busy two hours ahead. Analyst Jeff Lagerman coming up. Tight end Chris Manhurts joining us in studio. And yes, we'll preview the playoff matchup between the Chargers and the Jaguars Saturday night, 8-15 at TIAA Bankfield. Then at 5 o'clock, the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach and get his thoughts on the matchup and much more ahead. The Jaguars hosting a playoff game for only the fifth time in franchise history. Trying to get things done and stay alive in the playoffs. And let's start with the head coach, Doug Peterson, this week earlier. Looking for a little more out of the offense after last week's performance. I think the offense needs to have a better game than the other night, quite frankly. Uh, we didn't do enough. I mean, you know, we had opportunities, obviously missed some opportunities in the game that, uh, you know, we need to learn from. But uh, sometimes that's that's the way games go. Tight games like that is going to come down to, a, you know, this could be a defensive battle or something of that nature. Special, special teams did a nice job. But I think overall, you know, offensively, um, as a group, um, you know, coaches included need to need to do a little better. Travis Etienne Jr., Jaguars running back, finished over a thousand yards this season. It's his first taste of NFL playoff football. I mean, I feel like the only difference is uh, the title. It's, it's a playoff game now, uh, but we, we've been in these situations where we had to win, or we wouldn't be here in this uh, situation. And I feel like we're ready for that. We're prepared for that, and uh, we all know what's at stake. So we got to go out there and just uh, just. Put our best foot forward and uh, just play our best game and see see what happens at the end. We'll see. Indeed, big play defense has been showing up the last month or so. Last week, they locked down the Titans in the second half and scored to win the game inside three minutes to play. Foyer Aluakon, the Jaguars linebacker, on what it takes to find those big plays in key moments. You know, a lot of times things are, are going bad or, or not how we planned. Um, but, you know, it's football. Things are always going as you plan. We come in halftime. I just love how everybody's calm saying, you know, is that our best football? No, we're still, what, a score down? Like, if we just start playing well, we can really flip this game, turn around, and then you just make one play and everybody feeds off of that confidence, and all of a sudden a bigger play comes from that, and then everybody just, um, you know, flowing off of that. So it's really just the confidence to understand that, you know, we can turn the game around while the game's still going on. Uh, it's really cool to see. All the press conferences and locker room availability from the week and a lot of it available on Jaguars.com. More with Doug Peterson, Jaguars head coach, of course, at 5 o'clock on the Doug Peterson Show. Dailies is the presenting sponsor of this weekend's AFC wildcard playoff game. Dailies, it's nicer here. Jeff Lagerman with us. Tight end Chris Manhurts with us as well. And happy Thursday, Chris. How we doing? Happy Thursday. How we doing? Oh, good. I'm still playing football, so all's well, which all is, is good. Well. It's a good thing. How are you feeling about it? I mean, this is – we just heard from a couple of the guys there. and Of course, it's Travis Etienne's first time. A lot of guys' first time in playoff games. You guys have had must-win games for about a month and a half, it feels like, and, and won all of them, actually. So, it's different when that playoff label's on there. How different is it this week? I mean, I could make the argument to say the last four or five games were playoff games. Uh, those were must-win situations. So, um that's something that we're used to. We've been accustomed to the past couple of weeks. 
Uh, we know what the stakes are for this game. We've played this team before. So we just have to go out there and uh, put together a good game and, and execute at a high level. First playoff game, or is this going to be your second? First playoff game I'm actually playing in. Ah. Um, nice to get a little extra paycheck. It's not bad, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's overtime. Pay- paychecks are good. <laughs> but I, I will tell you, uh, my first playoff experience, which was back in the, in the early 90s, but then my first playoff experience as Jaguar, the thing I remember most about it is that it was just fun. It was so much fun. And I, I made the statement to, to my teammates at that time, and I said, you know what? They pay us for the regular season. They pay us to lift weights. They pay us to practice. But for the playoffs, I'd have done it for free. Yeah. Totally would have done it for free. Absolutely. And I could only uh, reminisce and see uh, and feel the environment that we was in last week, which honestly felt like a playoff game as well. Um, an electric crowd. Um, the fans were behind us. Home game. So I'm looking forward to, to, to what this Saturday might bring as well. All right, so we had a conversation a minute ago and, and was kind of feeling you out. I said, so what do you think of the national anthem? And you said? It was great. Wasn't it good? It, it was excellent. Paul Wayne with the uh, American flag guitar absolutely ripped the national anthem. I thought it was awesome. He killed it. I, I wouldn't have minded if he kept going. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was kind of uh, pushing to get him back again this week. I was like, hey, can we get him back? Did work. It's a fan because favorite. we got uh, Susan and yeah. T- yeah, Derek and Susan and are Derek playing this Susan week. Derek and Susan, the truck's gonna That's rock right. it. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome this week. So, all right, uh, playoff football here. You, you got, you mentioned it. Week three's a long time ago, though, when you guys were in LA and beat up on the Chargers. Different football team now, but uh, how much do you actually take from that game? Uh, it's it's a whole lot different now, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit different, um, and we could make the same argument to say that we're not the same team as well. So um, it's just another circumstance to where we have to really prepare prepare for them and and know that probably we'll go off of their more recent games and uh, they've dealt with uh, quite a bit of injuries uh, on the defensive end as well. So totally different team. Yeah. It's got to help though having the experience of, okay, I watched that guy, I've studied that guy, I played against that guy, I know what it feels like to play against him, I know what, what his strength feels like, I know what he likes to do on certain things. I mean, that, that helps though, doesn't it? Oh, most certainly, most certainly. And it's, it's one of those things that throughout the week we just uh, hunker down, study film, study their tendencies, but at the same time, we, we know who we're going up against. These two guys that, uh, that you're going to see, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, arguably the best maybe edge combination players in the National Football League. These guys are really good. They're veteran players, and you're going to have your hands full. We most certainly have our hands full. Um, But like I said, the good thing is that we've seen them before. We know the type of players they are. We know the type of dynamic pass rushes they are, their their moves, their tendencies. So it's just a matter uh, for us in, in containing them, neutralizing them, and executing the game plan at a high level for us. Khalil Mack, ninth-year player, 6'3", about 270. I mean, what, what stands up out about his game? What does he do well? When you turn on the tape, Khalil Mack, what stands, stands out to you? One thing that stands out for me as a tight end watching film on him is his power. Um, he he wants to use his power. He wants to use his length. He's he has great dip. He has great bend. So those type of things definitely keep tight ends and more so offensive linemen, uh, you know, off balance a little bit. 
uh, he's got, I think, 84 and a half career sacks. This guy is, what, year nine. He's been around the block. He's seen a lot of things. And uh, it's amazing how when you watch veteran players, and and I've said this before, and that there's, you know, if you had a dial for the way guys play, you know, let's say you turn it a nine and he's, you know, the intensity's a 10. Veteran players have a tendency that when they get to the playoffs, they can turn it up just a little bit more. And so that's something I'm sure that you're going to be expecting. And I'm sure for us, we, we have to be, you know, no doubt we have to match that. Uh, we know uh, what they say is playoff, playoff football is totally different, like you said, and the atmosphere and the energy is that much more for everybody across the board. So for us as an offense, you know, we pride ourselves on matching and setting the tone for, for whatever we're getting. Joey Bosa is on the other side. They flip sides a little bit. And Bosa is a guy that obviously has a very famous last name because him and his brother Nick, who is with the 49ers, and his brother's up for Defensive Player of the Year. Both of these guys play the game with great leg power and bend, which is uh, kind of rare. And he got hurt in the game against you guys in week three, missed a significant amount of time, but he's been back the last couple weeks and this is a guy that also is going to test you personally because this is a guy, both of them, play the run just as well as they do the pass, which is rare. Absolutely. And, you know, a guy like Bosa, he's a little bit different in the sense that he has a, a, a fuller range, a fuller arsenals of, of pass rush moves. Obviously, they're stout against the run, but uh, preparing for a player like him that has just a, a lot of range as far as their moves, their counter rushes, things like that, setting up certain rushes, um, is certainly a handful. Chris Manhurst with us, Jaguars tied in, the Jaguars and the Chargers in the wild card playoff game coming up. You know, we're talking about the edge rushers. Then they have a safety who comes down, and Derwin James is all over the place. He's been all over the place all season for them and throughout his career so far, 115 tackles this year, four sacks. I mean, he's all around. The... So you got to point out where this guy is before the snap every single time. What is the best thing he does? I mean, he's everywhere, like you said. He's athletic. Um, he, he's quick. He's fast. He's down in the box. He's a downhill player, very physical for safety, to be honest. So he's, he's another one of those guys that we have to really key in and see where he's at and, and make sure that we have a plan for him as well. Yeah, how tough is that for a tight end like yourself? You've got guys coming, moving around, and all of a sudden you've got to figure out where they are, and maybe you're lined up off the tackle at the same time, right? There's a lot, lot going on. It's a lot going on, but most of that is done throughout the week just over the course of our preparation and watching film. Uh, to be honest with you, during the game, assuming that you are prepared, you know, you've seen it before. You, you know tendencies, you know what's coming, you know certain cues. So uh, that's where you just really rely on your preparation throughout the week. Derwin James, to me, is, is the real freak. I mean, when you watch this guy play, the height, weight, the athleticism, the speed, the power, the strength, I mean, all the things that you see him do, you just, it's just not normal. Yeah, you don't see a lot of guys' safeties, for that matter, just, just downhill, just willing to play downhill, pretty much like a, a linebacker in the run game, things like that. So we, we have to bow up and be ready for that. Well, I, the the running game this week could be key. Got it going a little bit against Houston and then backed off some. Obviously, that game got out of hand. Tough sledding last week against the Titans. So we just heard from Travis Etienne Jr. 
you guys geared up for the, the run game this week? And just staying ahead of the chains could be key. We talked about Bosa and Mack. You don't want those guys to get rolling, right? Absolutely, for sure. And and that's been our mantra throughout the whole season. We are, we always have to be uh, good in the run game, establish a good run game so that it could create opportunities elsewhere throughout the offense. So that's something that we've always just, just held on to as an offense as far as philosophy is concerned. Uh, this is going to be uh, another great environment on Saturday night. Uh, as, as a player, I liked, I always liked the night games. Do you have a preference, night games, 4 o'clock, 1 o'clock, does it matter? Uh, I'd rather just wake up and just play ball. You know, the night games, uh, there's a lot of buildup, there's a lot of anticipation, there's a lot of sitting around. So you kind of pretty much have to occupy yourself, occupy your mind, and, and limit distractions between when you wake up and, you know, eight at kick, kick, kickoff. We were having a conversation a minute ago before we went on the air, and I asked him, I asked him, I said, hey, Chris, what did you do? Did you take a nap? Did you sleep in? You know, and, and your response was pretty interesting. You said, I woke up at like 6.30. I'm sure what you weren't trying to do. No. But you just woke up because, I mean, and I was trying to explain this because somebody asked me that question this week and said, you know, what are the, how does a player's schedule work? And especially with a night game, do they change it? And I said, well, typically they don't. But for a player, the normal week of preparation, it's an early rise because you're in the building typically by 6.30 or 7 o'clock for treatment or workouts, and so you're kind of accustomed to waking up early. So for the night game, if you can find a way to get a nap, that's a good thing. Try to squeeze in a nap here and there. But like you said, it's we're all just routine-driven. Everything we do is routine. Every Our whole life is pretty much a schedule, especially during the course of a season. So a lot of the things like waking up early and, and, and sticking to a plan, that's like that's just mindless. You know, that's something that we just don't think about. You have to go back to the to the college summertime schedule. Sleep till nine, ten o'clock, get a workout in, maybe go to a class. <laughs> class? What is that? Who goes summer, to class? Man, they, see if you <laughs> if you didn't go to summer school in college, <laughs> JP, they didn't pay your room and board. Oh, that's a yeah, that's a problem. So you had to be in for one class. I didn't least. know that was a thing. That was probably back in your day. That, it was quite a while ago. <laughs> it's been a minute, huh? Well, okay. you were basketball that anyway. Was, <laughs> he wore leather helmets. That's yeah. how long ago that was. All right, so this feels like every time I walk in this locker room, a, about as cool and calm and loose of a locker room that I can remember around here. Is that is that real, or is that just the 45 minutes I'm in there on, on media time? No, that's that's pretty much it. You know, the, the vibe around the locker room is it's almost like we've – the, the amount of things and adversity that we've experienced throughout the course of this whole season, in my opinion, has prepared us for moments like these. So in hindsight, it, it was kind of good us going through that, you know, knowing what that felt like and, and knowing how to respond after some type of adversity. It's only helpful. Yeah. Going back to, to last Saturday night, there was a, a little bit of anxiety in that game for myself. You know, I was getting kind of nervous there at the end. Uh, I'm sure you were probably in the same boat. When Rayshon made that play, what was that moment like? In my mind, I was like, there he goes again. You know, he, he's shown up, you know, week in and week out. Um, and, and it honestly reminded me of the Dallas game, that same, you know, fourth quarter game on the line, a play has to be made. And, you know, they did a great job of all together, you know, the whole defense, the defensive line, the safeties, everybody did a great job of holding it down and, and making up for the, you know, loss of opportunities we had on offense. When uh, when a bounce pass happens in basketball, you expect the ball to stay true. 
In football, when the ball is knocked out, you don't expect to have the perfect bounce. Was that not the perfect bounce to Josh Allen that you could ever have? It couldn't have been any better. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just glad that he, he had the instinctive awareness to just scoop and score and just run to the end zone. I couldn't believe it. I, I had to look up and say, "This, you can't make this up. What was your first reaction when you saw him running? Because I'm going to tell you mine after I hear yours. Um, I wasn't sure if it was live or not. You know, I just looked up and saw that the crowd was just just roaring, and I saw him score. The crowd went crazy, and I I just was at a loss for words. I'm like, you you just can't make this up. My first reaction when I saw Josh running, I was looking around for penalty flags. Right. I was going, please, yeah, no flags, no, flags, no whistles, call this back, no whistles, and uh. I'm going, okay, it's live. I'm looking for yellow. I'm not seeing yellow. I'm like, then yes. We've been burned by early whistles before uh, yes. in the playoffs, for sure, a few years ago. Uh, Chris, thanks for the time, as always. Well done. Good luck to you this week, and uh, we'll do it again next week. How about that? Can't wait. Thanks for having me. That's Chris Manhurts, Jaguars tight end with us. We've got plenty more ahead. Of course, at 5 o'clock, it's the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. When Jaguars news breaks, you'll hear about it first on 1010XL, home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, but I think minus a few plays, I think if a few plays go differently, you know, if we're a little sharper, or in my case, you know, hit a couple throws, game looks a lot different. So, you know, you always take a few plays, and I think we've just had a, a few more than we need the last two weeks of those negative plays or bad plays or misses or whatever it is. You know, we've just had a, a few too many of those, but, um, you know, I still think our offense is in a great spot, and the, the progress we've made is, is still there. And, um, we just continue to build off of it. Obviously, there's some, there's some things, and then it's tough, you know, it's tough to beat a team twice, too. You know, Tennessee had a really good plan. Uh, they did some stuff that gave us a little bit of trouble. And, um, you know, we tried to adjust on the sidelines and do some things that helped us. And, you know, they got they got good coaches, good players, too. So, you know, that's a good team. And you got to give them credit. They had a good plan coming in. And, you know, we didn't execute at the highest level that, that we can. And um, thankfully, our defense definitely stepped up and, and had our back. So. That's the quarterback, of course, Trevor Lawrence for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They'll entertain the Los Angeles Chargers in the AFC wildcard playoff game this Saturday night. Jaguars game day radio is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. Do good. Bank better. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Logman. Our thanks to Jags tight end Chris Manhurts for joining us in the opening segment the last few weeks. He's been fantastic. Good insight for a guy who's right there on the, on the edge of the offensive line, big in the run game. And uh, an offense uh, that, as you heard Trevor say there, has, you know, last week didn't have the smoothest day, let's say. They didn't have a first down in the fourth quarter of that game. But Tennessee's a good group. And the weeks before that, circumstances dictated different things on offense. When it comes to playoff football logs, you better score some points because um, you're not going to win many 10 3. Yeah, the Jags did it one time, a 10 3 playoff game. But. Especially against this group, this is a different kind of a setup on the other well, side. Well, 10-3 is still a win. I mean, you take 10-3 all day long. But I don't think 10 points is going to do it against the Chargers. Right. You know, I think that's a, that's a really talented young quarterback with some weapons on offense. Big question mark with Mike Williams, the wide receiver, and his back. He's been on the injury report the last two days, hasn't practiced yet. 
that's going to be interesting to see where he's at. But uh, this is a game, I believe, that you're going to have to come out with guns a-blazing because you've got two young gunslingers that are going to be throwing the ball, and, and hopefully the Jaguars stay aggressive, and I expect them to. But, you know, this past game, I give a lot of credit to Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans. I mean, if there was ever a game plan that was executed to perfection almost to the end, that was a great job by Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, Mike Vrabel did exactly what he wanted to do. They ended up shortening the game. They got an adequate performance out of their inexperienced quarterback, Josh Dobbs. Derrick Henry was kind of controlling the tempo. Their defense was dominant, dominant. And uh, so, uh, but kudos for the Jaguars for finding a way because that's what good teams do. Well, you mentioned it. This quarterback matchup is likely the big reason why this game is in prime time and not the early matchup. Justin Herbert, 4,700 yards and change. Trevor Lawrence, the third most passing yards in a single season in Jaguars history, just over 4,100. Similar completion percentages, uh, both in the high 60s. Both had 25 touchdown passes. Justin Herbert threw two more interceptions than Trevor did this year. But it's two of the young guns in the AFC, a, a conference that is stacked with good young quarterbacks. And it just kind of feels like this could be the beginning of a, a run of meetings between these two and maybe even in the postseason. Well, I mean, it could be. But, I mean, there are some other quarterbacks that are going to have something to say about that run, too, that are in the AFC, one in Kansas City and one in Buffalo. So. Right. We'll see on that, but I, I will say this, and that these two quarterbacks are really good. They're very talented. Uh, Justin Herbert makes you defend the entire field. He's got an incredibly gifted arm. He's got a little bit more experience than Trevor. Trevor, I think, has a little bit more athleticism, but I would say Herbert has just a little better arm right now. Now, that could change you know, next year when Trevor continues to develop, but it's going to be a lot of fun watching these two guys. That's why it's in prime time, like you said. That's why... Al Michaels is going to be calling the game with Tony Dungy. I mean, this is a big-time game, big moment, and there's going to be a lot of people wanting to watch these two young quarterbacks, and I hope it becomes kind of a, a back-and-forth affair with these two. And I, I said this before to somebody. I said, I think, you know, in playoffs, turnovers and takeaways and giveaways are a big deal. They become bigger in the playoffs. And so if the Jaguars' defense can find a way – to give Trevor Lawrence and this offense a couple extra possessions, I think that can be the difference in the game. But will you get it? I don't know. You know, people want to go back and reflect on the game in week three. It's hard to do that. Yeah. If you go back and you look at that game in week three, there was a, two different teams that were out there on the field that were very different. Uh, the Chargers, Herbert, had rib issues. They did not have Keenan Allen on the field. They didn't have their starting center on the field. They lost their left tackle in the game who's arguably one of the top three best left tackles in the game. Uh, on defense, they lost Joey Bosa in that game. Uh, they weren't able to get Austin Eckler going at all in that game. And so, I mean, all of these things that happened, I don't know if you can expect them to happen again, but you would like to see some of those things happen again, and namely what I mentioned there about Eckler, Austin Eckler, the running back. If you can keep him from getting going in the game – it would be significant. I mean, you can't underestimate this, folks. I'm just telling you because Eckler is a, is a capable running back. He's strong. I don't think they have a real 
desired focus at running the ball, but Eckler is more than just a running back. He's a receiver out of the backfield. Excellent hands. Does a good job moving the chains. And if all of a sudden he has a game like he had a couple years ago here in Jacksonville, I think he had over 100 yards rushing and over 100 yards receiving in the game. But I'm not saying he has to have that. But if all of a sudden he has balance, a balanced impact on the game, it will be extremely difficult to stop Justin Herbert with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams if he's available. Uh, By the way, Mike Williams today did not practice questionable for Saturday officially. And according to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, the team will give him up to game time to be able to go. So we'll find out at inactives. It's playoff football. I I would expect him to be out I would expect him exactly, JP, to play because, look, in, in the playoffs there is no tomorrow. That's right. You worry about getting healthy tomorrow. You play the game and make yourself available. You gut it through. He's got a back injury. Yeah, unless it's something that is bad enough that could be a whole lot, you know, one of those things. It could be really bad for you, but well, well, who knows? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's He's been questionable guys. for a reason. JP, there's okay. been guys. If it was that bad, he'd be out already. There's there's been guys yeah. that have, have been in that category before that have found a way to, to play. <clears throat> and it, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's about playing the game. I mean, playoffs are, like I said before, it, you you get paid to play the game and to do all the hard work. When you get to the playoffs, this is when it becomes fun. This is when you would do it for free. And this is when you start to put your body even more at risk than you usually do because of the quest uh, and the thirst for a championship. They don't come around that often, you know, and and it's where legacies are built is in the postseason, right? I mean, it's big. I'll give you an example. I mean, what guys are willing to do to play in a game? I mean, let's go to Ronnie Lott. Yeah. You know, okay, hurts a finger and starts looking at the possibility of out being out for a couple of weeks years ago and was given a choice because Ronnie said, I'm playing this game. Y'all just need to give me a way in which I can play it. Tell me what I got to do. And the doctor told him, said, look, the only way that you can play this game is if you were to have the end of your finger amputated. Ronnie said, cut it off. Cut it off. He cut the end of his finger off. I mean, this is a legendary story, and it's truth. Ronnie took the end of his finger and had it cut off so that he would not miss any games. I asked him about it years later when he was playing with us in New York, and I said, would you do it all over again? He said no. <laughs> no, he said no. Really? He did. Kind of kills the story a little bit. <laughs> nah, I mean, if, if you asked him, I mean, if he, was, he told he did say no. But uh, I, don't bl- I didn't believe him for a minute. I, I think he would. I mean, only a couple – I mean, not even a full inch. I mean, like three-quarters of an inch of the end of his finger. You know, but – Yeah, playoff football. But look, it's one of the reasons why the guy's in a Hall of Fame. That's the dedication and the commitment that he had to the game. One of the greatest – players I ever got the opportunity to play with and uh, I learned a lot from Ronnie that that dude was unbelievable unbelievable plenty more coming up we'll return with a look at the Jaguars defense big play group down the stretch they might have given up some yards here there certainly down the stretch but the Ben don't break attitude and then all of a sudden they're scoring touchdowns too huge last week of course we'll get into that and Uh, Josh Allen's play down the stretch, a big key in that. We're on 1010XL, 92.5 FM, Jaguars.com, and Jaguars social media, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube today. And limited tickets remain for Saturday night's standing room only crowd. It's expected at least this week. And Daly's is the presenting sponsor this weekend's AFC wildcard playoff game. Daly's, it's nicer here. The Chargers and the Jaguars coming up. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.
Jacksonville Sports Talk for Jacksonville sports fans. 1010XL, home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everybody knows it's playoff time. So for the, for the teams who've been in the playoffs before and for the young guys now, like I just try to tell them like it's a different ball game. So, I mean, nobody's out there playing, you know, messing around. It might be regular season. You might be having fun with some of the guys on other teams. But, no, nah, it's playoff team now. It's, it's, we got three games to go to get to the chip, and then we got that next one to win. So, I mean, focus is at extremely high. So that's all we're worried about. Creekside High's own Darius Williams, Jaguars cornerback, and welcome back. It's Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Chris Manhurts with us earlier. Jaguars tight end. Coming up at 5 o'clock, it's the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach and his final thoughts before the wildcard playoff game against the Chargers. PRI Productions, the Southeast full-service event company, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIProductions.com and learn more. All right, the Jaguars' defense logs the last uh, month or so is, um, hey, they've stepped up in a big way at big times. There's been some games where they've given up yardage or an early lead, but they somehow find a way to stabilize and and then usually, at least in a couple of instances, make the game-winning play at the end. The the pick six against the Cowboys, Rayshon Jenkins, and then, of course, last week, Ray in on the play again on the sack fumble. Allen returns it for the touchdown and – you know, it's, it's it seems like just talking to some of those guys in the locker room that you just got to – it's kind of a mentality. We're, we're there, and whatever we can do to help the team win, let's make the play in the big moment, and, and no moment is too big for them right now. No, and I think that's a great mentality to have. I mean, this is – I don't think the Jaguars' defense is a great defense by any means, but they have a great attitude, and that's, I think, uh, critical – to where they're at, you know. If you go back to the Dallas Cowboys games, you know they or Cowboys game they they weren't great in that, but they made that big play at the end there. And then this past couple of weeks, you know, you really haven't been tested like I think you're going to get tested this Saturday night. You know, when you're facing the Jets, the Texans, and the Titans, which all have limited offensive firepower. Yeah, and quarterback issues. Yeah, I mean, all three of them have quarterback issues, limited firepower. This offense is a little bit different than the Chargers. So this is a, you know, a 400-level college class compared to the 100-level college class that you just took, you know, yeah. the last three weeks. So it's a, it's a bigger challenge. And, look, with uh, bigger stakes, you want the bigger challenges, and it's a great opportunity. You know, hopefully they can find a way to stay opportunistic because uh, two things. One, they stay opportunistic. And number two, there's a big – I think the big thing, you know, I mentioned about Eckler. You know, what kind of an impact can he have? Can you contain him? Yeah. Mike Williams, does he play or does he not play? You know, the Jaguars' defense right now is a little bit of the weakness on the edges. You know, Tyson Campbell's really good. Hey, Darius Williams still trying to find his way a little bit. You know, you've had issues with your nickel. If Mike Williams plays, I think that that challenges the Jaguars' defense. Uh, if he doesn't play – all of a sudden, I think the assignment—I'm not—I don't want to say it gets easy, but I think it gets a little bit more manageable. Yeah, well, uh, I'll tell you this: the the Jags defense has at least one guy on every level playing big right now. Josh Allen up front. Well, I'd say more than oh, no, I'm one just, guy. I'm saying at least one. I'm just pointing out three key guys here, right? Josh Allen. Give them to me. In the last month has been fantastic. Obviously, down the stretch, didn't get a sack last week for the forced fumble because. 
he was sacked later by somebody else. You can't have two sacks on one play. That's why he didn't But he did get credit for the forced, forced fumble. fumble. Correct, yes. Uh, Foye Lewican, of course, led the league in tackles this year. He's still playing at a high level. And then Ray uh, Jenkins is just uh, a man possessed this season, I think. Well, Those are the yeah, three I mean, look, he, yeah, I mean, Rayshon's been incredible. And, and I said this earlier in the year, I'd play with him any day of the week, you know, going back to my younger days, just because I love his effort. I love his intensity. Comes with play. He's not perfect. But he plays so hard and physical, and that's what I love about him. You know, and Foye Lucan, another guy that you mentioned there. Foye is what it, what impresses me the most about him. First off, we know he's a tackling machine. Yeah. But where does he get the endurance? I mean, the guy, we, if you were to sit there and a, you got a, a board, you know, of let's say 75 numbers, just put your finger on it. Okay, let's say 42. Okay, go to play 42 in the film because 75 plays ballpark in a game. Okay. Watch play number 42. The guy's running 100 miles an hour. Close your eyes again. Do the same thing. Play 22. Play 22. He's flying around 100 miles an hour. I just don't know how. I mean, he's got, he's got a, a really a natural gift for great stamina because if you don't have that, you're not leading the league in tackles because he, he plays every – play so incredibly hard with great effort and intensity and which is impressive uh, you know you mentioned Josh Allen yep Josh is playing great I mean he's really playing strong here at the end but look he's not alone Arden Key is playing his rear end off Arden Key let's not forget he got the pressure that led to the underthrow for Tyson Campbell's That's right. interception yep you know, he's been critical in providing pressure in the middle and also on the edge, especially with the loss of Smoot to the significant Achilles injury. And uh, and that's been impressive. Kalevon Chazon's done a pretty good job in there. He's uh, the game against the Houston Texans. I thought he played extremely physical. The Jets game, he played physical. So they've been getting contributions from everybody, and that's, I think, a, a, a great mark of a team that's playing great team defense. They're, they don't have – Look, they don't have the Joey Bosa or Khalil Max, you know, on this roster. You know, Josh Allen is probably the thing that's closest to that. But uh, but he doesn't have that pedigree like those two guys. But Josh is doing a, a good job. He's been physical against the run. And uh, and he plays hard. And uh, and I love the guy. He's uh, the, the, He's got the makeup of everything that you want as far as team leadership goes and we know he was raised the right way by Calais Campbell. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you can you can tell that by the way they talk and go about their business. I was having a yeah. conversation with Troy Aikman before the game. Troy and I were same draft class. Obviously, he was drafted a little bit higher than I was. Yeah, not much higher. Uh, 13 spots. Okay. Okay. Still first first overall, he Come was. <laughs> they didn't boo him, though. But uh, we were talking about <laughs> him and also talking about Trayvon Walker and, and uh, Josh happened to come by and – you know, and I introduced Troy to Josh, and then when Josh walked away, I said, you know, I said the most impressive thing about him is, you know, he's committed to the team. He's a team guy. He works his butt off. He comes to play every week, and uh, you know, and he's he's a very balanced player. You know, he plays well against the run. He plays well against the pass. And then Troy asked me about Trayvon. I said, look, I said Trayvon's still learning some in the pass rush game. And and I won't repeat what I said to Troy because it's probably not appropriate for air, but I basically said that he is so strong that he could knock your rear end in the dirt. Okay. 
He's strong. And, yeah. and Troy and Joe Buck kind of chuckled and said, well, <laughs> we can't use that line on the air. I said, no, you can't. Well, it's true. I mean, he uh, obviously, you know, the way he wrestled down Derrick Henry a, a few times in that backfield. He's strong. Yeah. You know, Trayvon is just so strong. And he's learning how to pass rush still. And he's, but, he's got, but he's just got such a, a natural strength power to him that, uh, you know, you get excited about what the future holds when he finally starts to – and I'm not saying he doesn't know anything, but he's learning – and the more that he learns about being on edges, the more power and strength that will show through because he's on the edges where he gets somebody off balance. And that's something that he, he's still learning to do. But the one thing that he does not learn how to do, which he's already doing right now, is he's being big and strong and physical and is attacking blockers in a vicious way. How have you, um, just looking at the way they've called the defense the last month or so, how has uh, Mike Caldwell steadied things, improved maybe from earlier in the year, if at all? And and they're, they're kind of dialing it up at the right times, it feels I'll like. I'll give you a perfect example that I think they're, they're – first of all, he's a first-year defensive coordinator. You know he's getting better. I mean, you, you can't help but get better, and, and we are seeing signs of that. We saw a little bit of a struggle there in about a four or five game window, which was when they were losing games. And defensively, there were a lot of guys running open. Mm -hmm. There were some miscommunications. And I think that they've tightened it up lately. And they've simplified things a little bit. And that helps. But to go to one specific play, the Rayshon Jenkins play, which, by the way, folks, if you want to watch on YouTube, me and Mike Caldwell go to the film room to break mm, that play down. All right, I like that. And that will also be um, available on uh, Jags Wired this weekend, this yeah, week. Jaguars weekend also will have that, yeah. But he talked specifically about that. We talked specifically about that play and the protection that the Tennessee Titans had up front. You know a defensive coordinator starting to find a groove because they were expecting a certain protection on that. It was and what I thought was a true slide protection. But if you look at it, the left guard, 55, our 273-pound friend, okay, for the Tennessee Titans, he actually goes towards the slide, which is where the center's going. He's going away with the center to the other side of the formation, which most teams don't do that. And so when they bring the blitz, they're bringing two guys. They're bringing Foyer and they're bringing Rayshon to that side. Well, they're putting it on the back because they were expecting the guard to peak front side. They knew that the back would have to make a choice between blocking Foyer and blocking Rayshon. But if they didn't peak the guard over, our 273-pound friend, if he stays back on that side, they block it. But they knew that that's what they did. That was their style. So they bring two on the back. The back's got to make a decision. Do I block Foyer? Do I block Rayshon? Well, he blocks Foyer. That leaves Rayshon completely unblocked around the edge. That tells me that that's, they're learning. You know, Mike is learning. This defense is learning. They're starting to take advantage of what players do best. And that's part of the learning process that you just have to go through with, you know, first-year coaches, first-year coordinators, and then also when you're in the first year of a program to get to know the players on your roster. Let's come back in a moment. We'll get our final thoughts about this one. Then at 5 o'clock, it is the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach. And if you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. 
loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between. This truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. The station that the Jaguars listen to, 1010XL. Home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The regular season is is what it is in a healthy respect. You know, obviously you have to take care of business there in order to get to this moment, but here's where it matters. And if we want to keep um, creating the new narrative for this team and this city and, and, and be the new Jags team that we have set out to establish, um, it starts with a moment like this. And w- what an incredible opportunity that, that we have to, to show that and display that. That's Zay Jones, of course, Jaguars wide receiver. And welcome back. It's Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Logman, a live look outside of the Miller Electric Center, outside of the bank under construction. Beautiful day. It was kind of hot today, actually, out of practice. And then, well, it's going to be cold uh, Saturday night. Low 40s at kickoff, high 30s at the end of the game. But who cares? It's playoff football is going to be awesome. Can't wait. It was hot today. What are you talking about? Well, I had long sleeves. I had three layers on. It's a whole thing, you know. It's like 75 degrees. Well, yeah, with well, the sun's out, black, you know, the whole thing. So, hey, you're getting part s- of it. You're soft. <laughs> well, I'm just, I mean, relative to Saturday. You're soft, you, JP. Nice I'm just saying hot. you're getting soft. You That's know, what it is. 75 yeah. degrees and it's hot. By the way, hey, thanks for the uh, venison chili you brought in today. Uh, thank my way. wife. Yeah, you, you brought it in again. There's a whole pot of it here it was awesome um there appreciate was that two pots did you uh i'm just curious about do you name the deer that you harvest no do you know which deer no do you no no, no. just I, I didn't know how that worked no no i don't i don't do that why are you looking to have one named after oh, you no, i was just curious if you knew which one that you you know actually killed so well, I don't I'm, know. Gonna st- I'm gonna start calling one of them jp <laughs> nice <laughs> i don't think i could eat a deer named probably yeah probably not Hey, uh, it's time now for the injury report presented by Baptist Health and the Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute, the official sports medicine provider of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The report is out. It's, uh, well, uh, there's only one player questionable for the Chargers. That's Mike Williams with a back issue. has not practiced all week long. Everybody else on their list is full and status is good to go. Jaguars have six players on the list officially. One of those cleared, Riley Patterson, will play. He had a right knee issue, did not practice Tuesday, but full the last two days. Uh, everybody else, Sheriff, Kendrick Pryor, Matisic, Trevor Lawrence, Jamal Agnew, all questionable for the game, but they're going to play. Yeah, yeah, they were questionable last week and questionable the week before that. Look, I mean, they're going to play. It's playoff football. You know, what is it? Uh, what was that character's name again, Joe, from – Monty Python's the, no, the Black Knight. Yeah, we're back at that. It's a merely a flesh wound. Yeah, it's the Black Knight. It's yeah, a, yeah, it's the Black Knight. It's what it is. It's playoff football. You go. Doesn't matter. You can't. It's look at uh, if if you can go, you're gonna go, and you'll do anything you need to do to to go. You'll medicate. You'll um everything. Whatever you got to do. Get out you there. Know, I was going to use a term, and I don't want to say nope. all the terms. Nope. But, but there's good. there's ways you can find a way to get ready, I can tell you that, JP, because you're not going to miss playoff football. It's just a different world. Let's uh, discuss the coaching aspect of this thing. Of course, Doug Peterson's been there before and done that in the playoffs as a play caller, as a head coach. He's won a Lombardi, all that. Um, Brandon Staley on the other side, it's his first go-round in the playoffs. Yeah, but he's a smart guy. I mean, he's uh, he's got – 
garnered a lot of respect around the league for how smart of a defensive coach that he is, but a lot of people are starting to question about his smartness after this past game when he had all of his stars playing in a game that was completely meaningless, which was, quite honestly, kind of surprising. Um, If I were Brandon Staley in that game, I would have tried to find a way to get my quarterback out I would have rested my two star wide receivers and I would have rested my two star bookends and Derwin James. And you can't rest everybody in the playoffs, but you can rest the guys that are difference makers. And for the Chargers, your quarterback, your two receivers, your running back, that's four guys on offense. And then on defense, your bookends, and then uh, Drew Tranquil, your middle linebacker, and I would say Derwin James, that's four on defense. You've got, look, you've got. A what forty-eight active game day roster. You can find a way to get by without four guys on offense and right. four guys on defense, and still keep those guys in a an emergency backup capacity. Uh, I thought that was uh, very interesting. That decision that he made there. Uh, Rashawn Slater is back on at practice. He tore a biceps tendon against the Jaguars, and he's not going to be back for yeah. the game this Saturday. But he's a really good football player for the Chargers now, really good player. And I just wanted to make mention because I remember when they lost him, I was like, oh, my gosh, they're they're in trouble. Yeah. There's, you know, they're they're going to have a hard well, they, time. They were in trouble. I mean, I, they were not playing well. I was, gonna th- I was thinking you're going to have a hard time trying to find a, a solid replacement for Rashawn Slater at left tackle because if you looked at their roster, they didn't really have anybody – like a Walker Little, you, you know, younger guy that's got you know year two under his belt, that was you know drafted fairly high, not high like first round, but second or third round. But they had this rookie Jamery Salyer who was drafted in the sixth round out of Georgia, and he has taken over. This guy's good. He's done a really good job watching the film on him. Got really good sets, real steady feet. He's a big body. And from talking to Bucky Brooks today, he was telling us that this guy was a guard at Georgia and that they scouted him off of some practice tape and then moved him to tackle. And he's done a really good job, really good job for the Chargers in the absence of Slater. So um, if you're the Jaguars' defense, how do you, how do you affect the quarterback the, the most? How do you get into Herbert's head? Or can you? Well, I mean, look, I think that first and foremost, before you start talking about their quarterback, you've got to talk about their running back, Eckler. Okay. And you've, you've got to find a way to contain him because he can take a lot of pressure off of the quarterback. And make no mistake, again, Justin Herbert, can. you have to guard the entire field. He's got an incredibly gifted arm. He can make any throw you want. And he's accurate. He's precise. He's got all the things that you want. So it's not going to be easy. So, again, you, you start talking about the things you must do before you start talking about the things you must do against him specifically. So you got to try to make him as one-dimensional as you can and put as much pressure as you can. You go back to that game, the, uh, the week three game, and you look at the numbers that Eckler had. He had four carries for five yards, okay, and then he had eight catches for 48 yards. Now that's the numbers that you're looking for in this game. Can you hold? Can you hold him to four carries for five yards? Probably not. But you want to try to limit his effectiveness on the ground. Try to limit his effectiveness in the passing game, and then, then you can find a way to put pressure on on the young quarterback Herbert. 
Jaguars offensively, what do you want to see from Trevor this week? Rhythm. I want to see rhythm. You know, I want to see what I want to see the the way that he played in the Dallas game, the way that he played at Tennessee, in command, total control, athletic, decisive, precise, all of those things. Because if you get your quarterback hot in the playoffs, you don't know what can happen. You don't know how far you can go. You can go all the way to the big show if your quarterback is hot and you've got enough talent around him to where you can do some things offensively. But if they're going to try to advance and to get far in this playoffs, he's got to be on point, and this defense needs to stay opportunistic. If those things happen, look out. Mixing the running game, too. Travis Etienne a couple weeks ago in Houston looked pretty good, and then uh, last week, obviously, they they couldn't run the football against Tennessee. But uh, Travis, um, hey, when you get your opportunities, this is the week. Well, and they tried it last week, but the Titans got those two big defensive tackles. Okay, there are no two big defensive tackles this week with the Chargers. Yep. They're not very good in the middle. Uh, they got a good linebacker again, and uh, the linebacker that I was talking about earlier, Drew Tranquil. But you look at their defensive tackles, they're not great. Um, I'm not saying that they're pushovers because I don't think anybody's a pushover in the league, but if you were to rank Tennessee's – defensive tackles, they might be one or two in the National Football League. If you were to rank the Chargers defensive tackles, they might be 28, 29, or 30 Down the list. in the National Football League as far as talent. So, so yes, to answer your question, yes, you want to see ETN really have a nice day, and I think you can do it right there in the middle. If you start trying to mess around on the edges – then you start getting into the areas of Mac and Bosa where those guys can have an impact. But Tranquil, again, the linebacker is no pushover, good player. All right, we're about a minute and a half away from the Doug Peterson show. What do you want to hear from the head coach coming up going into the wild card playoff game? I think it's a, a, a lot of questions for him, and a lot of them, I think, pertain to the excitement of his team, the level of the playoffs, his experience in the playoffs. And I think that's a significant advantage in this game with his experience in the playoffs, kind of guiding the team. And Brandon Staley hadn't been there before. I'm not saying it's going to make a difference, but I think it helps in a big way. We might have some special guests joining us as well for a segment. You never know what's going to happen on live radio. Hey, who's walking through the hallways I'll, here? We'll as take well. it. So that's we'll coming it. up too. So stick around. The Doug Peterson Show is coming up next. The Jaguars, of course, the AFC South champions that earned them a home playoff game this week. The Los Angeles Chargers, the number five seed, are coming to the bank. It's an 8-15 kickoff time. Limited tickets available. Visit Jaguars.com. They're expecting a sellout again, so if you don't have them, good luck. You better hurry. There are some still out there. Check out the official team website for more. Thanks for listening to Jaguars Happy Hour. Coming up next, the Doug Peterson Show, and this is Jaguars Radio.